Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, I'm a wimp. I can't Man, believe it. Really? Jaminy. Giving in. Yes. I looked out the window and I saw there was beyond frost on top of the car. So I thought, uh-oh, this might be a little too cool for flip-flops. So I wimped out. So you're, now your feet are going to be sweaty later on. I know. Ooh. I hate shoes. <laughs> so anyway, do you have an outdoor thermometer at your home? Yes. What, did you look and see how low it was this morning? No, I didn't. Oh, I, I was didn't. just curious. But I bet if it's 33 in Edwardsville, I bet uh, I bet it was around freezing. Right. Yeah. I'd because, well, that so. makes sense, doesn't it? Right. But I'm out in the country, so I bet it, yeah. So yeah, it was you chilly. still have some annuals and plants that would actually show the temperature changes? Yeah. You know, if it got too cold? Yeah. Because when it's still dark and everything, they're still going to be rigid. But once the sun comes out, you can see if there's frost damage. Yeah. We brought in a bunch of the plants the other day. Sue had me bring them in to get ready for this. Oh, really? So our house, are, you know, the, the ones we moved back and forth, they're right. inside. So they'll be okay. Remember, was it last year, two years ago, we had a frog that was hibernating in one of those plants. <laughs> and like in March, we start hearing this frog in the house. <laughs> And we're like, where is that coming from? And he was in a plant. So I, I didn't check them this year. So I hope if they're, they're asleep already, they're good. Yeah, but that was exciting. <laughs> what could be more exciting than a frog? And we still have a hummingbird. That's unbelievable. I know. I don't know. He's really, he's fat little guy. And yesterday when it was raining, he, he came up under the, the overhang and we have uh, lights strung up there and he stood on there waiting for it to stop raining. And he's just a He's just a fat little fella. Wow. And he's sitting there waiting for the rain to stop so he can go go drink. And it's like, you need to head south, man. Now, we're going to Florida Sunday if he wants a ride. I mean, he can ride him back. You're driving? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so we, we could take him if he wants. But, wow. you know, he's got to get going. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it's your show. Go ahead. All right, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your plant materials... Indoors or out, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And by the way, we do have a brand new phone in the studio. It's been a real hassle for every producer, including, let's see, what's your name, Alex? Yeah. Anyway, when you call, all he'll need is your name and where you're calling from. He doesn't need to know what you're calling about or anything else. And on Saturday mornings, we get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your backyard, front yard, side landscapes. How about that specialty garden space? The taste of the tropics. How about those Halloween decorations or fall decorations? Your houseplants, my houseplants are still outside. I might move them in within the next few days, but they're up close to the house, so... They should be okay. Anyway, how to improve your soil, shearing and pruning, remove bugs and diseases. And uh, what I do is give the information, and then it's up to you to make the decision on what's going to be the best for you and for your landscape. Uh, the action is going to be up to you. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you having me over, whether you're listening in your home 
whether your car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player in this game is Alex. He's producing today. He's getting. He's got all his Cardinal stuff on. So. Go Cardinals. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting Garden Hotline since 1994. I uh, come to your home, and I can do landscape consultations, which I call walk and talks. If you'd like to schedule one, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and that's where my phone number and email address is where I can be reached. Also, the Good Gardening Stroll page in my website is my monthly updates, which I do every month. Wow, what a coincidence. But anyway, I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. And uh, today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. The eastern sky, the sunrise, the clouds actually look black. It almost looked like there was smoke. I didn't, that angle or something, I don't know exactly what made them look like that. But anyway, the air was really cool. And I guess I'm glad that I did wear shoes and socks. But anyway, I pulled up in the upright ginkgos. They're not really showing all that much color yet, but I'll bet they will start showing it real soon. This is along Market Street. And uh, there was showing, they were showing a little yellow, but not very much. The oak leaf hydrangeas, which are below the ginkgo trees, those flower bracts are brown, of course. The leaves are starting to say it's chilly, and they are starting to give a little color, too. Sometimes, certain years, they get a lot more color than others. And uh, Pinocchio, which is right around the corner from where these guys were, he was looking upward like he always does, but also he had a scarf on that says, Go cards. So I don't know who put the scarf on him, but somebody did. There's all kinds of modern and w- totally wild and crazy sculptures all through the city garden space. A sign in the pool says the pool is closed. Now, I don't know if the pool was closed just because it was very early in the morning. No, I don't know what it is. But anyway, so that I guess they don't even want you wandering around or waiting in there or anything else. There's several lawn areas that were ribboned off to give the grass a chance There's a lot of the sunflower family members still showing some pretty darn good color. And we'll have to wait and see if this morning temperature is affecting that. But I did notice that uh, some of the petals were curled. But I think they'll probably uncurl when the weather starts warming up later on today. The ornamental grasses where they're showing off their seed heads. There was some celosia, which is an annual and uh, bright red flowers, really looking good. They were mingled with some PG hydrangeas, some rose verbena, some goldenrod, and catmint. There was uh, the Hill of Birches, one of my favorite places in the city garden area. And uh, it just it looks kind of neat. It's <laughs> Everything else is really flat. And then this hill rises up, and it's got these birches. It almost looks like, I don't know, some kind of unreal place. There was all sorts of birds, mockingbirds and cardinals and others. There were some chickadees, too, that I could hear that were saying, welcome to that sunrise. And uh, there was actually, as I headed back towards the car, some fall anemones still had some flowers. And uh, they say, we're almost done, but we still got some flowers to show off. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, and that bird sound is real. We've got the birds actually in studio. I bring them in every week in cages. 
So anyway, if you do have questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. It was cold this morning, and as I don't know if you were listening to myself and Brian Kelly before the show started, but uh, as far as damage due to the cold, frost, whatever you want to call it, you're not going to, if your house plants and everything else, your tropicals, your annuals, you're not going to be able to see the damage until from this point forward because the sun's up, if the f- sun strikes them, then you're going to see like the wilting or the like, it's time to get those elephant ears dug up and, you know, stored for the wintertime or whatever it happens to be. Anyway, let's go over to Phyllis's yard. And hi, Phyllis, how are you? Hi, Mike. Um, I've got uh, hackberry trees, a couple of them, and they are really wonderful trees. However, one of them at the base, there's mushrooms attached to the base and around the bottom. Is this problematic? No. Do I have to worry? No. I would no? say no. You know, if if the above-ground growth up in the branches and everything else look fine, oh, then yeah, this okay. is nothing to worry about. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have mulch around your tree? Uh, this particular, no, this particular tree is... It's on my deck, not on my deck, but the deck is around it. Okay. So that's, you know, it's probably related to that fact more so than anything else. But I wouldn't, if if the tree is healthy, then I wouldn't worry about this. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Because basically the tree would be dead. Mushrooms only grow on dead stuff. So if the tree is still alive, healthy, and showing growth, then those are growing on something that's, you know, has nothing to do with this. So anyway, thanks, Phyllis. And now let's head over to Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Hey, Mike. Hey, um, I got uh, three calamar apple trees. Um, most likely about the fifth or sixth summer. One of them I noticed about a month ago, the base of the trunk from about the ground level up about eight or nine inches was discolored, almost black. So I, the bark was loose. I sort brushed away all the loose bark and moved the mulch away from the tree. And um, so now I'm just concerned whether or not it's going to survive and what it was. Well, it's a little tough to tell what it was as far as you know, not being able to see it or anything else. But if you pulled the bark away and where you pulled the bark away, hopefully you didn't like cut it off or anything else. You just any loose bark you just took off. Yeah, it was just a loose bark. Okay. And it's like but almost black. Right. And that discoloration, it's probably because it was on the north side of the, you know, of your tree, the tree trunk. So consequently, no, no, it's, it's, it's got, um, it pretty much went all the way around. Oh, really? Yeah. All the way around about eight inches up and, um, it, it gets, it gets pretty good sun late morning and, and maybe through early afternoon. And, uh, and the other two, the other two are fine. They're right next to them. It yeah. just, I just don't know what it was. Yeah, it's a little tough without actually being able to see it. But I would mm-hmm. say if, you know, you can check. Probably all the buds are already starting to be set and everything else. Mm-hmm. The tree looks good. Other than that, then I wouldn't be overly concerned with that. And as far as the discoloration on the bark, if the bark is, you know, let's say, completely surrounding the, t- the actual trunk so we can make sure there's going to be the vascular system works all the way up from the root system mm-hmm. to the above ground growth, then this was just, you know, a, sort of a freak of nature more so than anything. Well, good. I hope you're right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and you're not going to know until obviously next spring. But, uh, yeah. you know, in midwinter, what you can do, let's say sometime in early February, just go out and cut a branch 
like about a seven or eight inch section of the branch, bring it inside, put it in a glass of warm water, and just watch and see if the actually the buds, they're not going to open entirely, but if they start to open at all, that says they're still viable to a certain point. That doesn't mean they're going to be fully functional, but at least it lets you know that the, the tree isn't dead. Oh, uh, okay, good. I'll mark it down to do that in February. All right. Thanks, Mike. Certainly. Uh, let's go to Marie's yard. Hi, Marie. Oh, hello. Hi. Yeah, hi. I have a question about two native plants that I purchased last week last weekend. Um, one is copper iris, and the other is black cohosh. And my question is now with this temperature change, should I plant them outside now, or should I overwinter them in the basement, like maybe under grow lights? Oh, no, outside. Okay, it's not too late. No, no, no. The ground is still, the temperature, even though the air temperature was pretty cool this morning, the right. ground temperature is still warm. That, so, well, that's what I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, and, so, I mean, you got probably, the you got it. we're going to have to have multiple days of temperatures like this morning before the ground actually gets cold too cold where you're not going to get any root development at all. But native plant material can even take that many times. But right now, you should be fine. And a way to check, too, if the ground is cold or cool or still pretty warm is just to take your shoes off or your flip-flops or sandals or whatever and step in some area where there isn't any lawn or anything and just see how that feels on the bottom of your foot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I understand, I've never had these two, is that the copper iris should maybe be in a sunnier location and the black cohosh in more shade. Does well, that sound? Yeah, I mean, I would say I wouldn't worry too much about it. You know, either way, I would you know go ahead and put them wherever you want to right now and just watch them for a year or two because you can always dig them up and move them t- right. to a different location. But I would say put them someplace where you're going to be able to be conscious of them, you're going to see them, and you're actually going to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that, that's all I had on my mind for today. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Certainly. And let's head over to Keith's yard. Hi, Keith. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are uh, you? Very good. Uh, two questions. One, am I too late to put sod down this season, or should I wait for the spring? If the garden centers still have the sod, you should be fine. And it's probably, and as I was just saying with the lady with planting the wildflowers, uh, it's basically... You know, the ground is still warm, and I'm assuming we're talking about, you know, cool season lawns because the zoysia is no longer available, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's bluegrass, and they're still freshly cutting it, so that was that. All right, second question. Pulling fence posts out last night, I got a neighbor's tree that's an acorn tree. It's about 60 feet tall, Uh, and doing the good old chain and pickup truck type style, pulled out a 7-inch wide root that came across into my yard. Um, that's a big root that went through the bottom of that concrete ball. Uh, any huge concerns about major damage to that tree? That root is probably five feet away from the base of the tree. <laughs> well, that's not ideal to have happen, but the tree hopefully can recover. Have you already backfilled the area where the root was? No, this was a late night last thing, so something <laughs> I'm getting to today. I would say I would go out there and maybe cut it off, make a sort of a 45 degree angle cut. To help, the, what that will do is expose the layer so it can actually just heal itself. As okay. opposed, don't put any kind of sealer, don't put anything on it. That would be all I would do. Yeah, it was quite close to the surface level. It was only about uh, five inches below the ground level, but it was a really thick root. So. Right, and that's every tree has surface roots. That's the feeder roots. 
people always think tree roots go deep. Yes, there are some that go deeper, but the majority of the roots are within the top 18 inches of the soil for most of the trees. Yeah, I was just shocked at the thickness of it uh, only being a few. I mean, it was a good, I mean, seven inches, and it just intertwined around. And, of course, ball and chain, we didn't think about anything that was going to be there. And all of a sudden, we just saw, snap, snap, here we go. (laughs) But, I mean, it's probably comparable to some of the lower branches on the tree. So, I mean, there's equal amount below the ground as there is above the ground. So there's got to be a whole lot of biomass down there below the surface. All right, so I'll get out there this morning, and then we'll just give it a cut and uh, tell the neighbor this is what happened. Right. That's all you can do. Appreciate it, Mike. Have a good day. Yep, you do the very same thing, and thanks for calling. Thanks for having me on your show. Let's head over to Nashville, Illinois, and see what's going on in Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Yes, uh, I got uh, two uh, pecan trees. One of them is 30 years old, and the other one is 20. Uh, And The one had really really fine nuts on it about five years ago. But uh, since then, it hasn't had any. Uh, well, it's had some, but they're small and and they're no, no count. Basically, I would say, so neither one of them, the 30- or the 20-year-old one, is not producing any more nuts? No. Uh, my guess is... You know, it's probably an age factor, if, especially if they produce nuts for multiple years and they haven't, there hasn't been consistently for the years that you're saying there was basically no production. It couldn't be weather-wise or anything else. It's just a fact that these particular trees, and even if there can be pecan trees that are older that continue to produce, in this setting where they are, they're just, you know, past their, let's say, functional time of their life as far as producing nuts. Okay, they never did. Just produced only one year. Oh, really? Out of all those years? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, out of all the years, they only produced nuts one year. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you know, why that is, I don't know, but if the location of where they are is not ideal for them to be producing because they should produce at least for you know 20 years or so before they sort of, let's say, end. But a lot of times the trees will go way, way past that, whether they're pecan trees or walnuts or anything else or even acorns on oak trees. So I would say yeah. they're just not very good trees. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, so fertilizer won't help them any. No, not really. I mean, you could try okay. it, but basically what you need to do is feed the soil with something called deep root feeding, which you auger holes and then backfill those with compost, and then let the soil take care of feeding the trees, as opposed to putting just some kind of spikes or things in the ground. That's not going to do that much good. Especially okay. on any Thank kind you. of yeah, any kind of tree that's this old, it is going to take forever for the nutrients from fertilizer, stakes, or whatever you put down to actually be, let's say, dissolved into the ground. The root systems uptaking it and sending it up to the top of the tree. That's going to be a long period of time, and it's not going to make any difference, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Sorry. So they, these two yeah. pecans are just not that good. Okay. They were really nice pecans uh, that one year. Nice big pecans. <laughs> but the next year, they didn't have any. And, and uh, since then, they haven't. So. Okay. Anyhow, thank you. Certainly. Yeah, I hope the year that you had some good pecan production, you took a couple selfies. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Again, Mike Miller on KMOX. 
Yes, folks, uh, we've got phone lines open. So if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're headed over to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Hi, Mike. I've got a question or a couple of questions. First, on lilacs. I've got a big old lilac. It's really ragged looking, but it blooms beautifully. How do you prune those? Basically, do you, the, do you, the thing, I'm sorry, with, go ahead. Yeah, thing with lilacs is to take, if you start to have any of the larger trunks coming up out of the ground, because they are colonizers, so there's going to be new growth coming up at the base, take out those all the way down to the ground. That's probably the best thing you can do as far as keeping everything you know, moving forward. But if they're still producing you know, flowers in the springtime, I would say don't bother pruning, and especially don't prune until right after they flower. You prune them, you know, this time of year, you're basically cutting off all the flowers for next year. Okay, so after they bloom, how much can I take out at the base? Like a third or? Well, you probably don't want to take off that much. But like I say, look in there and find, let's say, three of the largest trunks coming up out of the ground and cut those all the way down to the ground, basically. And just leave everything else that's smaller alone. Okay, also go in the other direction i've got rose and sharon what kills that stuff (laughs) uh they're pretty tough (laughs) so are you trying to kill them (laughs) yeah because they're really invasive they're spreading pretty invasively and um yeah i really need to get them under control yeah so basically uh if you want to get them totally out of there is dig them up and get rid of them that way or you can ba- cut them but down to about uh, probably this time of year. I don't know if it's going to be all that effective because the temperature-wise and everything else. But cut them, you know, at like three feet high at about a 45-degree angle. All the trunks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then just paint some wood killer, like a Roundup for killing woody plant material on that cut right after you make it. Okay. And then, Thank you. Yeah, and it'll be a systemic. So it's going to may take a couple years to finally eradicate the entire thing. But that's why I'm saying cut them off at three feet because the time after next time, you probably have to cut them at two feet and then one foot maybe. And then finally, that should get rid of the entire root system. All right. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. All right. Thanks. Bye. Sure. And now let's go over to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mike. I just love your show. Uh, I've got a decorative pot of coleus I've kept all summer. And can I bring that in or do I just trash it? Is it worth it? Well, it's up to you. Coleus can grow as a houseplant fairly well. Are they in flower right now? They are. Uh, Once they start flowering, then they start losing their lower leaves and they're probably not going to be all that attractive as a houseplant. But you can certainly just cut the flowers off. Bring them in, you know, bring them inside or leave them uh-huh. outside because the temperature is not going to get cold again if they didn't get damaged by the temperatures last night. And uh, then get them ready, check them out. They're usually pretty much disease and insect-free both, but uh, then just get them ready to come inside. Okay, I'll winter them over then. All right. Yeah, they're pretty okay. actually pretty good, and you can take cuttings off of them in the early spring and you know, actually have some more plants. So the thing is not to cut them down like six inches where, where the soil is. No, definitely do leave them alone. Okay, and, okay, I'll do that. And even if they say they can take a let's say a shady part shade or whatever kind of location, put them as in front of as the brightest window you possibly can. 
Yeah, I've had it in bright sun most of the summer. I had a, a, a tree that failed. So, uh, yeah, it did real well. <laughs> All right, great. Sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Certainly, uh-huh. my pleasure. Bye-bye. And now let's head over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Yeah, hi. Yeah, go ahead. i got a cu- couple questions. Um, I've got a fern that uh, we were going to bring inside. Do they will they keep living if you bring it in the house, or are they pretty much a one season and just throw it in the trash kind of thing? Are you talking about a tropical fern, so like a Boston fern or something like that, or rabbit's foot fern? Yeah, just something you'd see it like you know they sell like a Walmart or the grocery store out front. You know, just the common fern. Yeah, I mean they can come inside and do well. But they need light, and just realize that you almost have to rotate them on a, I don't want to say daily basis, but every couple days, and they're going to lose a lot of, let's say, the leaflets on the fronds. So they're not really all that great as far as houseplants go. Okay. Um, Secondly, uh, I had a hibiscus that I bought a couple years ago, and we stored it in, uh, over the wintertime, we put it in somebody's, like, uh, sunroom or something like that. Mm -hmm. And this spring... Both there was two of them actually uh, produced anything, like they died almost. But I kept them around because I kind of liked the, the the way they look. They're like the braided trunk type, right? You know? Uh huh. And but all of a sudden, now I'm getting some greenery growing out of the bottom of one of them, almost like it's coming back to life. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means. I'd, I'd hate to throw it away if it's got a chance but i don't know what uh, what that means well it means the root system is still viable so it pushed you know produced some new growth that got pushed up and that's what you're seeing but the uh, the you know the twisted trunks that's actually three different trunks that were just we wove together so anything that grows is just going to be a straight trunk you know regular hibiscus trunk is not going to have any kind of weave or anything like that to it so you just say just kind of should i get rid of it yeah, it's up to you, but personally, I would say yes. <laughs> and then you say it's time for the elephant ears to come in. Come well, not you can wait out. until the frost gets them. I'm you know I'm starting to migrate mine towards the garage. What I do is I take them into the garage, I pull them out of the pots and everything, or the ones that I've have in the ground. I dig them up and just take them in the garage, let all the soil and everything potting mix dry, shake all that off, and then I basically then bring the actual tubers or roots of the elephant ears inside. I've just put them in cardboard boxes. Okay. But I can leave them out and let the frost get them, then I can dig them up afterwards. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Very good. Yeah, that's not a problem at all. All right. That's all. Yeah, good luck with that. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 if you do have any questions or concerns. Also, start taking a look because the cool season annuals are really st- – I saw some henbit uh, in a couple different yards this past week. And henbit is kind of in the mint family, square stem and everything else, but it is an annual. So it basically it's what you have to do to get rid of it. It's uh, – way too late. I mean, you can kill it with an herbicide, maybe, because the temperature is still fairly warm, but the effectiveness of the herbicides start going down pretty quickly as the temperatures drop. I've been spraying, we've got uh, some cracks in the road and the seam between the sidewalk or the curb in the road where some weed seeds actually germinate. So I've been using Roundup on those spots and uh, it's still pretty effective, so it's working pretty good. 
But as the temperatures continue to drop, its effectiveness is going to be less and less and less. Also, with the, you're going to see chickweed. You're going to see uh, annual bluegrass as well as other ones. Those are the annual weeds that you would have had to kill basically as the seeds germinated. And you would have had to put a pre-emergent down in mid to late August. So it's really kind of almost too late to do that. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're headed over to Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Matt, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, go ahead. Mike, you there? Yes. Uh Go ahead. All right. I've got a... Crimson Queen. I've got a Crimson Queen uh, Japanese maple that's about 14 years old. When's the best time to trim that, prune that? Basically, the maples would be, they prefer to be pruned during the summertime, though you can certainly do it in the wintertime if you like. But I wouldn't do any kind of pruning going into winter wintertime. I'd wait until, let's say, the worst of the winter is over. So sometime after Valentine's Day and before the new growth begins, that's when I would do the pruning. If you that's can't do it during the summer. Right. And is there a rule, like how much you can take back? It's about a waist-high one right now. I just don't want to take too much off and, like, really hurt it. Yeah, basically, the the height on those things are set. So they're never going to get any taller. They're only going to get wider. Okay. And so you're not going to be able you know, you don't want to cut it so, you know, if you start cutting the top branches off, then it's going to look very, very strange. So what you do is just go to the end of the branches and cut them that along there. Don't try to cut them, you know, to control the height because, like I said, it's a grafted plant. Root system and the trunk and the top are three different plants that are glued together. And it's the height is set when you buy it. It's not going to get any or very little taller except, you know, the kind of the branches just willowing out may give a little more height. But that's it's pretty set as, you know what you see right, right now good deal thank you so much i appreciate it yep and you really don't have to prune them at all that's a nice thing hopefully you put it in a spot where it can get as wide as it wants to let's go over to paul's yard now hi paul uh good morning good morning I have a question i have a very very large old oak tree next to the house and this year it seemed to produce probably twice as much acorns late summer and into fall that are dropping. Is that a good sign of the health, or is that uh, a sign that the tree may be getting too old? No, no, it's probably fine. A lot of trees will fluctuate whether they're, you know, let's say nut trees, whether they're walnuts, whether they're acorn trees, whatever it happens to be. Sometimes, you know, kind of on a sequential type thing where there's going to be one year where it's more productive than the the other years before and afterwards. So I would say this wouldn't be a concern as long as, you know, the branching, as long as the leaves are healthy, as long as you've got the right amount of all that kind of stuff, then it's probably fine. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, let's say I don't want to say old wives tales, but old stories used to say, you know, if there's a huge amount of production of something then the tree is desperate and it's trying to save itself. But that is not really the case whatsoever. Very good. Thank you. Certainly. And let's go over to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Hello, Craig. Hey, Mike. 
Yeah. Hey, I, I've got an Althea tree, I guess, like a Rosa Sharon tree. Can I cut that back? Yeah, basically, you know, the Althea hey, slash Rosa Sharons, they're summer bloomers, so you can, if you want to, you can wait until we get into, you know, early spring before the new growth begins and then prune it back at that time. Yeah, it's really, it's, uh, can I take like a third of it down or so, or? I didn't understand what you said. Uh, can I take, you know, maybe cut like a bird of it away or so? It's a little bit extreme, but uh, okay. you could try that. I would, my tendency would, that would be the most I would ever cut off for sure. Oh, okay, great. All right. All right, thanks. And now let's go over to George. And George lives in O'Fallon, Missouri. Hi, George. Good morning. Hey, I've got a um, lantana on our deck in a pot. And I'd like to bring it in this winter to an unheated garage to overwinter it. Is there anything I should do to prepare it? Uh, keep your fingers crossed. Because unheated, I mean, if your garage is going to get below freezing, then the lantana is not going to be able to survive. No, it's connected to the house. It doesn't get below freezing. Okay. Really cold sometimes, but most of the time it's, you know, in the right. 40s probably. So just put it in front of, a, you know, the brightest one you possibly can. Because it okay. does need light if you want it to survive and be functional. If you put it, just set it someplace in the dark, it's just going to basically lose all its leaves. And probably when that happens, means the root system is going to, let's say, degrade and it's going to be dead. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got one window in our garage, uh, like a door window, but I think it, it might get a lot of sun. But should I cut it back? Uh, I probably wouldn't. I'd just go ahead and leave it alone. You can always go out and cut it if there's sort of the end of the branches start losing all the leaves. You can cut those off. But to be honest with you, I would just leave it alone. And then when you bring it out next year, see what happens. And then mm-hmm. cut off anything that doesn't produce any new foliage next year if it makes it through the winter time. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Allison lives in Farmington. Hi, Allison. Hi. How are you? Good. Um, I heard you talking about cannas a while ago. Is it time to cut them back, and how much do we cut them back? They were transplanted from another place, and they're doing wonderfully. Uh, basically, you can take a chance, and we found over the you know over the years, if they're close to buildings and things like that, you can just cut them off and put you know, like four four inches or so of mulch over the top of them, and then keep your fingers crossed that the ground won't freeze to the point that will kill them. Or you can cut them now if you want to and dig them up and bring them and store them like in your basement or something like that. Shake all the soil off of them or whatever it happens to be that they're growing in. So you got two different options. You can take a chance on leaving them in the ground and see if they're going to be able to survive the winter and come back next year. Or you can cut them if you want to. You don't have to do it yet. But uh, you can wait until the frost actually kills the foliage. I don't know in Farmington if it's been cold enough for a frost to... The, Hard frost last night. Yeah, but the, the have you looked at them today? Uh, no, I have not looked at those yet today. Okay. Because if the foliage, you know, when it's frost damaged, they're going to be really wilty looking. So then definitely cut them off. If they don't look really wilty, then just leave them alone if you want to. Or you can cut them off and, like I said, just mulch over the top of them to leave them in place or dig them up. Shake all the soil off of them and store them, uh, you know, in cardboard boxes in your basement. Okay. 
Okay, then my last question is, um, I have a forsythia bush, um, and it's looking really ragged. Can I prune it now, or do I need to wait for spring? If you if you prune it now, you're not going to have any flowers next spring at all. Okay. So anything that blooms in the springtime, you should prune them right after they finish flowering. So whether it's a spirea, whether it's a lilac, whether it's a forsythia, whether it's a witch hazel or anything else— because if you prune them in the fall, you're cutting off the you know, potential flowers for next spring. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Certainly. And Have a good day. You do the very same thing. Rick, if you could do it really quickly, that would be great. Hello, Rick? Hello, yes. If you could do it quick. Uh, yes. Uh, I've got an elm tree, <clears throat> and it looks like it's got, like, uh, scabs on it. And it's it's sprout it's it's producing sprouts on it, and it's on the trunk. I was wondering what I can do about that. Uh, when you say scabs, you mean like what, are they like a bluish color? Well, well, no. It's actually the bark looks like it's barking out like around it on the trunk. It looks like bumps. I, it's like an outgrowth. Hmm. It's kind of tough to and envision. It, it, but if it's just yeah. It's, Regular sorry, the expansion what? of the trunk, then the bark is going to you know look a little poppy, but uh, yeah, but it's it's like round and it it bulges out like oh. sores. So that might be just you know it produces trying to produce new branches. So if this tree is really important, I'd go ahead and have an arborist come out and take a look at it. Uh, I didn't know if I can cut that cut cut that stuff off. No, I like wouldn't fool around with, with doing that because you don't even know what it is. It's not something major, but if anything, I would just leave it alone. As long as, again, the above-ground growth, if there's plenty of leaves, all the branches you know, look good, they don't, you, know, you don't have a bunch of major dead branching areas, I would say no, just— No, it's nothing like that. Yeah, it's just a, leave it, it alone. It's so low that it interferes with mowing. <laughs> <laughs> well, just put some mulch around, and then you won't have to mow that close to the trunk. Okay. I didn't know if there was something I can do, like cut that stuff out and maybe put some kind of a pruning solution over it. No, no, definitely don't do any kind of, don't cut off anything, and definitely there's no sealers anymore available. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With ideas, questions, comments, or concerns, I'll let you go, Mr. Kelly, because I know you got a lot of stuff to do. Well, because I took up so much time last time, I figured that. You aren't you know. kidding. Jamie, <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 beep. Again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. By the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for the ups and downs related to your annuals. If your annuals still look good, just keep watering them. Uh, Maybe one more fertilizing. Maybe you can just skip it. Your bulbs, your summer bulbs, so in other words, your cannas, your caladiums, your elephant ears, things like that, uh, get ready to start, let's say, pulling them up and uh, storing them inside for the wintertime if you choose to do that. And also your spring flowering bulbs, your daffodils, your tulips, your crocus, your grape hyacinths, and things like that. 
This is a time of year where you can start getting the ground ready and get them planted. Your edibles, your cool season vegetables, your ground covers, when the leaves start falling, let's say you have an evergreen ground cover circumstance, you cannot really rake evergreen ground covers like ivies or periwinkle or things along that line because you really just tear those up horribly. So you need to set your mower high and just run over the top of them to chop any kind of leaves that have fallen. How about your lawn, your cool season lawns? They should really be looking good. You still have the opportunity to do some winterizing fertilizer on those this month, next month, and maybe even in early December, depending upon how the weather does. Your roses, no more pruning on the roses. Let them go. Uh, Perennial-wise, things like peonies that have all kinds of, let's say, foliar diseases, which are not deadly, but they just don't look so good. When you cut those down, you can certainly do it now. You could have done it earlier, too. Just get that foliage out of there. So, in other words, you don't re-inoculate the soil. Probably is already re-inoculated, but try to minimize that. Your shrubs, as far as pruning, I saw some burning bushes. You want them as the latest um, the other day, and this one really looked pretty good. It was really starting to get some really bright red color to it. Your vines, your clematis and things along that line, I've got uh, unbelievable. But moonflower vines that uh, I grew for a couple years, and they keep coming back every year by self-seeding. The ones in the front of the house, unbelievable. I just let them go. In the past, I've kept them on the trellises and things like that, but I just let them go wild and crazy. So they got unbelievable. And the ones in the backyard were late coming up, but... uh, They look pretty darn good now, so let me share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is doing the big board. He's across there. He actually is answering the phone and running the board both. Very complicated. So if you do have questions or concerns, uh, just when you call in, just Alex, all he needs is your name and you're where you're calling from. That's it. So not what you're calling about. So if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, today I'm headed to U-City after the show. Uh, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where you can contact me and we can schedule a time for me to come to your home, to your landscape. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that makes an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Kind of a cool place. This is called the Four Winds Garden Club. And the Four Winds Garden Club meets at the AKC Museum of Dog in Queenie Park. So you can see this museum, which is a great museum, and also get together with some people out in the town and country area that uh, just unbelievable. Garden Clubs is a perfect place to meet and get some really good information. If you're interested, soon the orchids are really going to start exploding flower-wise. If you'd like to have some orchids in your home so you could have some flowers on the inside, the Greater St. Louis Orchid Society meets at the Botanical Garden uh, the second Friday of each month. So you can go to mobot.org and find out uh, the exact dates for, there's all kinds of plant societies that meet there. Also, the Greater St. Louis Daffodil Society. Guess what? Just check out their website, stldaffodilclub.org, for information and details about that. So plant societies, perfect place to go to meet some people. 
and especially if you don't have a whole lot of information or knowledge, and even if you do, to share it with other people, nothing could be better than that. That's the neat thing about plant material just in general. So why don't we take a couple calls before we take a break? Let's go over to Rich's yard. Hi, Rich. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Good. Love your show. You listen to it all the time. I got a couple of easy questions for you. Um, we have a sunroom attached to our house, and I've got some planter boxes that I just had some green beans growing in the summer. But um, I'm looking for some kind of color over the winter. What can I put in there? Because it only gets down to maybe 50 degrees in there at the most. So it's bright and sunny? Yes, bright and sunny. I would say head to your favorite garden center that has tropical houseplants and just kind of wander around. I would My tendency would be to stay away from the Croton, C-R-O-T-O-N. They have great colorful foliage, but inside they don't, you know, they don't seem to do so well. But, I mean, okay. there's, there's bromeliads. There's all kinds of different things you can pick and choose from. You can even get something that probably your grandmother had called the snake plant, the Sansevieria. You can do that. Some people have had great luck growing gardenias inside, which have white flowers okay. on them. But uh, gardenias are a little tough, so it just uh, I would just kind of pick and choose whatever okay. kind of catches your eye. Well, that's great. we got options. That's wonderful. Right. Uh, my, my other question is we've got some uh, land near Herman, Missouri, and we've got a big patch. It's probably – we cleared it out. It's probably a couple football fields big. And um, I've seen in the Missouri Conservationist buffalo grass which is native to missouri and it right. only grows like maybe six inches or whatever so you shouldn't have to cut it as much right um should i put the, something down below that if i throw a bunch of that buffalo grass seed down because i don't want the weeds to come up and all that but it is the country and i can't get out there every weekend like i'd like well if you put you know let's say you put a pre something to prevent weed seeds from coming up it's going to prevent the buffalo grass from coming up i will tell you right. also the bluff, buffalo grass is a warm season grass so it's you know in the winter time it kind of has a tendency to go brown dormant okay Okay, well, that's great. Good news. I appreciate your help. Love the show. Take care, Mike. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. And also, if you want to, I mean, you got a big area like that, maybe do a combination of buffalo grass and clover, Dutch white clover. I like clover, especially in areas like that. It can get thick and dense enough, which actually can help with the weed control. Some people consider uh, clover weeds, but uh, that's a personal choice as much as anything. Let's head over to Alice's yard. Hi, Alice. Hi, um, my just even an easier question. When should I, I want to plant azaleas and hydrangeas. Is it better to plant them now or in the spring? Availabi- I lost a bunch when yeah. I plant them now, but. If the availability is going to be your problem more so than anything. A lot of the garden centers, some of the really good larger year round ones still may have some plant material that you're looking for. A lot of them will not have it though, because they've either sold out or whatever it happens to be. But broadleaf evergreens okay. like azaleas, I do not like to plant them, you know, in the fall going into wintertime because they don't get okay. the root system well established enough. And if we get a cold snap really quick or any time during the wintertime, they could just be yeah. killed instantly. Okay. That's probably been my problem. Okay. I will wait till spring. Right. Thank you so much. Certainly. Mike Miller. Enjoy K- your show. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, it's going to be very interesting to see how the fall color is going to be. As you probably know, if you're a longtime listener, I have three sugar maples as street trees. We're on a corner. One of them is already starting to turn color. 
and dropping leaves. It's probably the least healthy out of the uh, three. But anyway, I'm you know this dry spell that we've had is really going to impact the fall color. So we just kind of keep our fingers crossed, and hopefully we're going to have some good stuff. But uh, you know, if the we, ideally we would have had a moist. You know, let's say early fall, late summer, that type thing. And then it starts getting dry, temperatures drop and everything else. That's what causes the coloration. But uh, that's not exactly how it happened this year. But uh, maybe uh, it'll turn out to be just absolutely great. Let's head over to Dwight's yard. Hi, Dwight. Hey, I have a weeping uh, cherry tree. And half of it is uh, looking dead. I suspect it has to do with the dryness. It's about... 25 years old Ooh. never been pruned is there anything i should do with it uh any what kind of branch yeah any kind of branches it's always going to look weird if you cut any of the weeping branches off because generally it's you know the new growth that comes off is going to come below the actual weeping part is going to come off the trunk and they're going to be shooting straight up so any of the branches that are weeping that didn't have any leaves on them all summer long, just go ahead and cut those off, but it's going to make it look very strange. But 25 years old is fairly old. It doesn't mean that they, that's the end of its life, but uh, it doesn't sound all that good. Okay, thank you. One other comment. Sure. I am very curious with your your knowledge. What what's, What is your training? You just continually impress me with uh, the way you're able to answer these various questions. And, and thank you. Well, thank you. I, you know, I went to school in Southern California. I, I didn't like any of the jobs, you know, in horticulture and botany, and I didn't like any of the jobs out there. So I sent a resume back here to the Missouri Botanical Garden. They said come back, so I came back, and then since then it's just been you know gathering knowledge. As you know, that's basically how it has been. I started off. You know, I spent five years at the Botanical Garden, four years in the English Woodland Garden. My final year was in the Climatron, and I wanted to work in the Climatron before I left the garden because basically I, in 1960, I was in sixth grade, the first year the Climatron opened, and we went to a field trip there. That was the first time I ever saw tropical plants. So anyway, and then from there I went to garden center management and then all kinds of different stuff, you know, since then. Thank you. Enjoy your show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. And uh, let's see, where should we go now? Let's go to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hello, Mary. Yes. Go ahead. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, I'm calling because I got up late this morning, and I think I missed what I need to do with uh, all these elephant ears that I have. I want to make sure and save the bulbs for next year, but I always kind of mess them up, and they don't aren't good in the spring. <laughs> well, do you dig them up? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. So, so just, when should I do that? You can do it at any time. You can wait till the frost actually kills the foliage, and the the foliage is laying on the ground is really icky, mushy stuff. Or you can do it now if you want to. They've, okay. They're probably pretty much, I mean, they're still going to produce some more leaves. Leaves are going to be undersized and everything else, but you're going to see more and more of the leaves that are existing starting to turn yellow because of temperature-wise, shortness of the daylight and everything else. But probably before you dig them up, I would go ahead and water them pretty well, and that way it's going to make it so you can get them up out of the ground a little bit easier and then just put them in the, a garage or something like that till. The soil that's around the actual tuber, you know, which kind of looks like a pineapple somewhat, 
uh-huh. until that dries off. Then shake all that soil off. Then just put them in paper bags with layers of newspaper in between each layer of the elephant ears. Okay, so let the soil dry out, yeah. shake off the soil, and then put them in paper bags. Right, because, I mean, basically what you want them to do, what you want them to look like is, if you remember what they look like in the stores, right? you don't see any dirt or anything else. And they're just kind of big lumps laying there in a cardboard box. That's what you're trying to create. Perfect. Just what I needed. Thanks a million. I really appreciate your show, our well, show. Yes, your show, not okay. ours. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Certainly. Thank you. And let's head over to Jan's yard. Hi, Jan. Hi, Mike. Hi. A um, couple questions. One, my white spurria in the backyard is about eight foot tall, and it's 50 or 60 years old. When do I cut that way down? Uh, you're talking about white spirea? Is that what yes. you said? Okay. Basically, it's a summer, or I mean, it's a spring bloomer, so you've got to cut it right after it flowers. Is it too late to do that? Yeah, yes. I guess so. So, so you, I have to do it. Oh. So okay. basically, if you cut it now, then you're not going to have any flowers next spring. Okay. Okay. And then the other one is my, um, my knockout roses are five or six feet tall. You know, I think I just heard you say don't cut them down, right. but they're really they really need to come down. So I usually cut them down real short. I have to wait on that too. Yeah, you should. I mean, what happens is the petals are going to fall off. They'll form rose hips, and even if it's not really obvious, some roses form rose hips, a little ball at the end where the you know where the flower actually was. That kind of tells the rose to stop, you know, sh- producing and everything. And then once the foliage, let's say, starts turning brown and falling off, then you can produce, you can cut them at that time. But uh, I would say leave them alone as long as you possibly can. But still, I can still do them this year? Yes, or, yes. Uh, okay, okay, wait. Because uh, And the other thing, every, once in a while when I, I prune them back, some of the thorns, some of the branches come back with tons of thorns on them. Right. You, What's that about? That is a disease. And unfortunately, Ooh. it's a disease that causes the finally, it's going to implode and cause it, that particular shrub, knockout rose. It's called rose rosette. And it's transmitted by spider mites. They inject this disease into the actual stems. They're blown in on the winds. And then it devastates and kills. A lot of the roses at the arch grounds, Got the rose rosette. They had to get it rid of all of them. There's nothing that you can really do that's going to prevent them from just continuing to go downhill. Even though they still produce flowers, but yeah. they're smaller flowers. They look different. Right, exactly. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse each year. Okay. And one last thing, uh, as far as putting mulch down around the roses, um, is that necessary uh, at this w- point? Yeah, with the shrub roses, it's not totally necessary. You know, a couple inches wouldn't hurt. But it's not necessary. Okay. Okay. Thanks for your help. Yeah, and Thanks just re- realize that rose rosette, I mean, if you leave, I yeah. mean, as long as they stay in the ground, there's going to be other spider mites that are going to feed on them, and they could get blown to other rose, you know, let's say knockout roses that you have that uh, aren't infected right now, and they could get infected. So just watch out. So I have like four or five, but they're, they're about um, six years old. You're saying the bush next to it. They could, they could infect that one, too? Exactly. it's mostly on this one bush. Yeah. So, in other words, it could infect all of them that are around there. In your yard, uh-huh. other people's yards as well. It probably didn't come in. You know, probably blew, these spider mites are tiny. They got blown in onto, you know, your roses. And then, consequently, it's downhill from here. 
Oh, man. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a tough one. But uh, when I saw that the Arch Grounds decided, you know, that they weren't going to try to battle the Rose Rosette, and I've, you know, I know from the Rose Society and from working at the Botanical Garden, helping, volunteering, or whatever, you know, and some of the Rose Gardens, you know, to help them get all that stuff pruned, the staff members, uh, Rose Rosette is just deadly. There's no getting around it. So let's go over to Elizabeth's yard. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Good. I have a question about hydrangeas. I'm back, living back in the house that I grew up in, and there's a hydrangea bush beautifully shaped that's probably 40, 45 years old. And my mother always used to cut it back because she said that's what you were supposed to do. And so I continued to do that until about, I guess, maybe six, seven years ago, I heard on your program you said you should never prune back hydrangeas. Um, for the last probably five years or so, I've maybe had mm, two, three, four blossoms. And actually, last year I thought, if this doesn't bloom uh, it, greater, I'm going to just get rid of it. Because right. I've also heard you say age. flowers like people have an age limit. Right. So this year, I probably had um, 15 flowers that bloomed. But now I probably have 25 buds on the bush that I'm wondering, should I cut those off just to uh, kind of let the, let the bush kind of strengthen and not try and push out those blooms? Or should I just leave them go and let, them, let the frost take care of them? Yeah, let the frost take care of them. You know, too often we're trying to alter things. Now, is this the PG hydrangea? Is this one that, like, the snowball round one that blooms in the spring? Or is this one that blooms in the summertime? Well, you know, Mike, truthfully, it used to bloom, as I remember, in the spring. Right. But then it it now seems like it blooms in midsummer. <laughs> so I don't know. Probably we've altered it over the course of its life already. And truthfully, it came to my parents as a cutting from my aunt's mother. Great. So I couldn't really tell you specifically what kind it is. So is the flowers round or are they flat? The flowers are round. Okay, so... And a variety of colors. Oh, well, so, okay, so it's... I would say just leave it alone. You know, don't do anything. Let the foliage fall off in the wintertime and just, you know, kind of keep your fingers crossed and maybe it's transitioned to something else, you know, a different wise as far as... It's not going to change variety, but uh, the ability to flower. Okay. And then once the foliage falls off, can I still put a layer of, I usually put like in the peony beds, I've, I've cut those back, and I heard you say just earlier that we could already do that. So right. that's been taken care of, and I just put a layer of mulch compost uh, combination from St. Louis Compost. And can I still, once those leaves are gone, just... Drop some mulch down in there, too? Yeah, sure. That's not a problem. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. I appreciate great. your information and your help. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you're still interested, you've got an opportunity for planting woody plant materials, evergreens and deciduous. So, um... Plenty of opportunity. Just make sure that you dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball 
and only 80% is deep. So in other words, the crown where the trunks or stems or whatever meet the root system is slightly higher than the surrounding ground. And then you're going to put a little bit of soil over the top of that and then some mulch. But that's really crucial to do. If you plant them level, they could sink and you could get some water sitting around the base of them. And <laughs> Except there are certain plants like red twig dogwood that can take wet soils. So there are a few things, but the majority of them do not like that. Let's head over to Marjorie's yard. Hi, Marjorie. Hello, Marjorie. Marjorie, turn your radio down. Oh, sorry, Marjorie. Let's go now to, uh, let's say, Ed, let's go over and see what's going on with Ed. Hi, Ed. Hi. I Thanks for the advice on planting small saplings. I that about a year ago, and I got them from Effingers, and they're awesome. I got 15 small five- to seven-foot oak trees, and I didn't know which ones to plant, so I planted a variety. I planted three white, red, chinkapin, burr, and swamp. Wow. And I no- Yeah, and, and I noticed this summer, and it's in about a two-acre field, and some of the area I would let grow longer and then cut down, and it all of a sudden the white and the red oaks in particular got something that was just eating up the leaves big time. So, you know, I got, a, I got an insect mite control uh, killer and tried to spray them. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm curious, what, you know, what would be possibly the, the threat to those white and red oaks? And if, let's say, I lose those, what would be your recommendation out of the, the different uh, types of oaks to plant in this area? The whites and reds are by far the best, strongest, and everything else. Swamp oaks okay. really kind of need a wet soil. You, what could be eating on them? It could be anything from grasshoppers to Japanese beetles. And I notice a lot of grasshoppers. Right. So it's probably the grasshoppers. They're vicious when it comes to eating things. People don't even consider them as you know doing that, but uh, they really do it. I mean, I've got I've had some grasshoppers that lived on the backside of our you know our garage between the the bed space between the garage and the alley. And at first I couldn't figure out what is, you know, it's, I didn't have any trees in there, but something was eating a lot of the foliage of the plants I had in there. Then I started, I took a hose, sprayed, and then I saw these grasshoppers coming up. So slowly but surely I finally killed them off. But most insecticides have to be, you know, hit the bug, you know, directly in contact. There are some systemic insecticides, but uh, they're probably going to be somewhat ineffective, let's put it that way. Well, thank you so much. Certainly. So it is probably the grasshoppers. If I was taking a test, that's what I would put down. So, Thank you. And now let's go over to Dan's yard. Hi, Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have two questions for you. Can I get an effective kill on dandelions any time, or do they need to be in bloom? And my second question is I'm wanting to build three short tier walls over a slight incline, what is the best way to do? Dig that out and chat them in first or what? Yeah, you got to have some kind of you know rock base. And probably the, the bottom layer, I would almost say two-thirds of whatever you're using should be below ground sitting on that rock and then build up from that. And as, I forget what your first question was. 
dandelions. Can I get an effective kill on them at any time, or do they need any time? All you need to do is get the herbicide on the weed be gone or whatever you're using on the leaves. It doesn't matter if they're in flower or anything else. All right, very good. Thank you. Certainly, my pleasure. And now let's go from Dan's yard over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. How you doing, sir? Very Mr. good. Miller, how you doing this morning? Fine. How are you? Pretty good. I just uh, I got I got a question. Uh, there's actually a couple questions. One is I have these vines that I've used Roundup on the holly and the and the poison ivy, and that that worked great. It worked great, and I got to pick it all out until the the base root, which is a very thick root, which I had to cut with the uh, sawzall, you know, right uh, down to the baseline, but. The vines that grow through the fence and grow up your garage, I've used Roundup on that before and stuff like that, and it, there's nothing that will stop that. What do you recommend on that? And second, I, uh, I've i tried different things before without consulting somebody who actually majored horticulture and was a botanist and actually got called back and who knows more than I do? So I mean, I I, I just wanted to uh, counter the other man who said that you didn't. What is your What are your credentials? Because everything you've said before that I've used on weeds and stuff has worked perfectly. And I was just wondering about the vines through now, the fence, those type of vines. Thank okay. you, sir. Sure. Now, are these vines that are evergreen, or are these vines, you know, basically herbaceous? Uh, these vines are basically the kind that just wrap around your fence and grow up the garage. And uh, I don't really know the name of them or nothing like that. But uh, you know, the weeds, the Roundup kills the weeds around there. Right. But the, the vines seem impervious. Probably to what happens is these are self. You know, some of the ones that are climbing actually on the side of your garage, if they're yeah. evergreen, that's euonymus. That's a tough one to kill. So if you can get in there and dig them out at the base in the ground, that's the best mm-hmm. way to get rid of that stuff. And 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 they stick to the garage. Yes. You know, that, that's the type that, that you gotta you got to remove that. And then you actually really, the way they are, you have to actually power wash the garage to get that residue off. Right. What that is, is that's part of their root system that they hold on with. So this is Euonymus winter creeper, which was sold for a ground cover for decades. And then, you know, what you're finding out is one of the things that happened. So digging out is probably the best way to go about it. Okay. So just dig, dig it. Far as you can to yeah, get you probably one shovel out. deep is about as much as as deep as you need to go. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Certainly, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMWash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Speaking of bird sounds, well, if you'd like to get some finches in your yard, guess what? Thistle. Thistle seed is what the finches really like. Let's head over to Pam's yard. Hi, Pam. Hi, Mike. Uh, you were out at my house in early spring, and we discussed about planting a little gem magnolia. And since my yard had two big trees, you didn't think that the magnolia would do well planted and suggested maybe I put it in a very large pot, mm-hmm. which is what I did. And it's done really well during the summer. Is there anything I need to do to help insulate this pot during the winter? 
Uh, basically not. What you need to do is make sure that the potting mix that it's growing in uh, doesn't get totally dry. So you don't want the root system to dehydrate. So if we get okay. extended periods of the wintertime, you might have to take a bucket or two of water out and water it. Okay. Do I need to put any extra mulch on top of the ground? Well, or? if you want to, from a cosmetic standpoint, that's what you're doing. But beyond that, it wouldn't hurt, but it's not going to make that much of a dramatic difference. Okay. I don't need to wrap the pot with any kind of material or insulation yeah, or anything if, like that. If you, okay. have, if you have some silk, it would love to be wrapped in silk. No, you don't need to do anything. <laughs> Okay, very good. All righty. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, hon. Certainly. My my pleasure. Now, let's see. Let's go to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you doing today? Very good. Hey, listen, I, uh, I've i got a butterfly bush. Do, do we cut those back? You don't need to. Okay. Uh, also, uh, dahlias and zinnias. Um, do I just let them go to seed, uh, the, the uh, zinnias? You can, but you got to gather the seed. You can't just leave. They could drop the seed oh. and it could come, but you're better off to, once the seeds start forming, just to go out with like a regular envelope and fill the envelope with a bunch of zinnia seeds. Oh, okay, okay. And and the dahlias, uh, I'm still getting uh, uh, flowers on right. them. Uh, so I just leave those go because they'll, uh, I'll cut the, do I, do I need to cut those off when they die? Or? Well, it's an aesthetic thing to, as far as cutting them off. A lot of times... The dahlias need to be dug up, the tubers or roots, depending upon the variety. But if you've had good luck with leaving them in the ground through the wintertime, then just keep doing as you have. Yeah, I do. And, and one more. Um, I had um, three trees, uh, uh, a Bradford pear and uh, two maples um, uh, cut down and, and stuff ground out about three weeks ago. And I've got the pile of, uh, you know, mulchy stuff on the top. Right. And I've been kind of raking off the mulch, uh, kind of the... Uh, the mulch part of it, you know, and throwing it out on the hill for my uh, other stuff. But now it's getting late in the season. Can can I, like, just take that and, like, throw it out in the yard? No, you really shouldn't have that? even thrown it on anything because it's really raw. It absorbs moisture. As it breaks down, it could, you know, sort of, like, bind up nutrients. So that stuff is really should be put in a pile and turned into something functional after about a year. But just to throw it, throw it around is not going to be to anything's advantage. Okay, so so I could just uh, shovel it up then and go put it in a pile out in the woods. And, right, exactly. And let right. it kind of decompose. Yep. Okay, and then how much would I need to keep on the top? Or what, would you suggest that I dig down you know because there, there'll be a hole you know do i dig all that out no you don't need to bother it's going to be several years before you're going to be able to grow anything there anyway so i would say put something there like a bird bath or a pot or something like that don't worry about anything trying to grow in that spot because it's nothing's going to grow there anyway for a couple of years okay and i have an oak tree that i cut down in the front yard before about five years ago and that's all settled down and everything, and I put dirt in and everything. But I keep getting these big old clunky mushrooms. Right, that are in because a, they're a, growing over off the old dead root system. So they're going to that will continue until the root system totally implodes. Wow. Okay, because that that's that's been about four or five years. I'm well, it could that. take more years, obviously, until the mushrooms stop. Then there's still stuff there for them to grow on. 
Okay. Is that is that hurting anything? Let no, it isn't, Mary. So, there? yeah, you should be fine. Everything should be fine. Let's see if we can get one more call in. Uh, let's go to Chuck. Chuck, can you do it kind of quick? Hey, Chuck. Yeah, uh, I mean, Mike, uh, yeah, she just took my thunder. I got three butterfly bushes, and you say you don't have to cut them back. What if they get real big? What do I do? Well, basically, you can cut them. You don't have to. So what you can do is just wait till we come out of wintertime, prune them back to the point that you want to, and just let them go. Okay, dope. Thank you, sir. Yeah, because they flower in the summertime, so you can prune them. You know, you can prune them now if you wanted to. You can prune them in the fall if you, you know, fall, like fall, as I just said, or you can prune them in the springtime before the new growth begins. After the new growth begins, you shouldn't be doing any kind of pruning on them. So. Well, mine are still growing. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. So you don't have to prune. Beautiful. You can wait until we come out of wintertime sometime around mid-March and prune them at that time. Okie doke. Thanks, sir. Yep. And thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it. And other things that you need to be thinking about, your mower height. Even though your zoysia is probably starting to turn brown, you don't scalp it down to like one inch or something because that just sets you know, a horrible scenario for some weed seeds that you didn't even know existed in your landscape for them to start sprouting up. So that becomes really problematic. On your cool season lawns, your fescues and bluegrasses, you want to set your mower any place around three to four inches. So in other words, you want plenty of blade there. You don't want it to get any longer than that because once it starts raining like it did yesterday, if the blades are too long, they're going to have a tendency to be wet. They're going to lay on top of each other. And then there are wintertime fungus problems. Those are generally not the deadly funguses, but what they are are funguses that kind of weaken the lawn areas in various spots and goes from that standpoint. So three to four inches probably right now, probably my tendency to be towards more of the four. Then as the weather gets cooler, there's less less and less growth of your cool season lawns, your fescues and bluegrasses. Then cut them a little bit shorter, but don't anybody, don't scalp your lawns. That is the worst thing you can possibly do. You still have the opportunity, the option to do some winterizing fertilizer on your cool season lawns. No fertilizer whatsoever, no coriation on your zoysias. You can still do some coriation on your cool season lawns if you like. You don't have to. So thanks to everybody for calling in. Thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Mike Miller, KMRS Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.